0: It's no secret that employees and businesses are struggling to adapt to the new reality of work. Almost every survey and research study highlights that people are more stressed, disengaged and burned out than ever. This is despite billions of dollars being spent each year on wellness, benefits and employee engagement tools. Science and practical experience show us a clear solution, but most companies have failed to take the simple steps necessary to make that change happen, welcome to episode 42 of the Working Well podcast, the show that explores the rapidly changing landscape of work and well being. Each episode, we dive into the hottest topics in leadership, employee well being, and the future of work. I'm your host, Tim Boris. The great news is that awareness of burnout is higher than ever. But it's abundantly clear that the what I call wellness window dressing or corporate wellness washing isn't working to decrease stress or improve well-being. For now, let's peel back the layers, look at some of the sobering numbers and get a clear picture of why this is happening. We're also going to outline the simple yet overlooked actions that leaders and companies can take to virtually eliminate burnout in the workplace. First. It's helpful to align on the definition of burnout. According to the World Health Organization, burnout is a syndrome resulting from chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed, and it's characterized by three dimensions. First is feelings of energy depletion or exhaustion. Second is increased mental distance from your job or feelings of negativism or cynicism related to your job. The last one is reduced professional efficiency. In a state of burnout, employees feel cynical, they're detached, they have a lower sense of purpose and accomplishment. Now, while slight variations exist, this description encompasses the large majority of definitions related to corporate burnout. Depending on which studies you look at and the specific measures used, burnout rates range from 41% to 77% of employees having experienced burnout in their current role. More importantly, between 25 to 50% of employees are currently experiencing multiple burnout symptoms at work. Whether we take the top, bottom, or the average of these numbers, it's still astronomically high and a massive opportunity for businesses to address. So what is the biggest issue with addressing burnout at work? Now, many barriers exist, but the biggest challenge I see to addressing burnout in business is that most senior leaders think they're doing a great job at addressing burnout and employee well-being. Here's a great example. In a recent study, almost two-thirds of workers say their health and well-being decreased from last year, and this was 2021 stats. While three out of four executives believed that the health of their workforce actually improved. This is a huge disconnect. And this is from a survey of 3,150 C suite executives, managers, and employees across four countries the United States, the UK, Canada, and Australia. And it was conducted by independent research firm Workplace Intelligence. This is from Deloitte Insights. You can get that at Deloitte.com forward slash insights. When two-thirds of employees say their well-being decreased, yet three-quarters of managers think it increased, that's a massive leadership blind spot, and it's directly impacting every aspect of organizational performance, including bottom-line profitability. Now, perhaps this gap is related to leadership burnout itself. A recent Microsoft Trend Index reported that 53% of managers are burned out. This level was slightly higher than the employees on their teams. Now We've all heard the instructions that flight attendants give to quote, put your own oxygen mask on first. This is just as important in leadership and well-being. If leaders are burnt out, they're less capable of helping their teams and therefore their organization. So who is helping leaders? In most cases, nobody. Leaders often think stress and burnout is simply part of the job at that level. They resign themselves to the grind of work until they burn out or retire. This perpetuates the whole work sucks but I need to make a living mindset that permeates so much of today's workforce and it's at the heart of the opportunity available to us as a society. There's a way to have success financially, in business, and be a healthy, happy, thriving person. Sadly, Erica Coe, in an interview with Harvard Business Review, highlights that the burnout rates continue to increase, despite many organizations elevating burnout to what she calls a C-suite priority. It's true, companies are making a larger effort to support employees, but the current methods are largely ineffective. This is in large part to the previously mentioned mindset around wellness and business. McKinsey highlights that burnout impacts individuals across all industries and hierarchical levels in an organization. While this is true, without handling burnout, workplace culture and mindset at the C-level will remain the same. Let's look a bit at what the causes of burnout are. While there's no single cause of burnout and many factors contribute to the overall impact, the most common factors in the burnout equation Are excessive workload, unrealistic deadlines, long working hours, lack of support, lack of role clarity and expectations, low level of control or autonomy over your work, dysfunctional workplace dynamics, i.e. toxic workplace, and neglecting self-care habits. Think about that list and think about what ones you've experienced What ones are your team members experiencing? For most people, probably a large number of those. The fact is, so many people are burnt out and stressed out, and it's not being handled. So what does this mean for business results? Aside from decreased productivity, lower job satisfaction, increased absenteeism, massive presenteeism, higher turnover, and lower company profits, the factors contributing to burnout simply they make work suck. At the most basic level, healthy, happy, engaged employees produce a higher quality of work over a longer period and they enjoy the process much more than those who are sick, unhealthy, stressed, and burnt out. Therefore, reducing stress and burnout while increasing health, happiness, and well-being is highly profitable for companies over the long-term. Of course, this means investing in the well-being and performance of people over a longer time frame, beyond the next one or two quarters. This is nothing new, but companies are failing to capitalize on the opportunity by relying on old, outdated methodologies or failing to follow through with consistency and integrity. What can leaders and employees do about it? As you may be starting to figure out, leadership is at the heart of reducing and ultimately preventing burnout. The first step is shifting mindset on three separate levels a leader's personal mindset around well being, the mindset of how employee well being contributes to company performance, and the mindset around the strategies and tactics needed to improve well-being and change corporate culture. So let's look at the first one of those. So step one, personal well-being mindset. The first step is for leaders to look in the mirror and determine whether they are healthy, happy, engaged, and fulfilled in their life and work. If the answer is no, this has to be the first area of focus. Until this improves, they will be unable to bring their best to their family, their team, and the company. This is where I began my career 30-plus years ago and what inspired me to begin working with companies. I saw thousands of senior-level leaders stressed out, burnt out, and broken down both mentally and physically from their work. The process of helping these professionals get back to thriving opened my eyes to the broken model of how companies and leaders treat their people. Alright, let's look at Step 2, Corporate Performance Mindset. Yes, businesses exist to generate profits, and leaders are hired to drive results for the organization and shareholders. However, this can be accomplished in a number of ways. Currently, most leaders follow a traditional human resources model, where despite many changes in messaging, people are viewed as tools to accomplish business results. Wellness in this model is something that people are responsible for individually and ideally on their own time. Performance management conversations happen when people mess up and are regarded with fear and trepidation by most employees. This command and control style of leadership often intimidates, divides, and disengages people over time, though it can sometimes produce good short-term results, i.e. quarterly financials. This type of leader generally protects power, control, and information. They want everyone to follow directions, never question authority, and to fall in line. Therefore, employees tend to fly under the radar. They don't want to stick their head up for fearing of having it chopped off. Despite sometimes producing positive financial results, it's not efficient, it's rarely sustainable, and it takes a massive toll on people in the business along with the long-term operational expenses, such as turnover and safety, and decreases in innovation and creativity. In these companies, typically less is spent on research and development and staying ahead of the curve. The more effective way to benefit people and the business is through people-focused performance leadership. This style produces exceptional long-term results by building people up, helping them learn, grow, contribute, and be heard while understanding the positive impact this has on business performance, things like profitability, operations, quality, safety, retention, recruiting, and so much more. Leaders that help employees feel included and respected while empowering them to do their best work each day and express themselves as unique and valued humans, these leaders will be the catalyst for their team members to thrive and continue gaining momentum over the long term. While this sounds great, it also requires humility and a completely different mindset from the leader. To know you don't have all the answers and to be okay with that. To rethink your role as a leader. To realize that your role is to guide, lead, inspire, provide the tools, resources, environment, and compelling vision that brings out the best of those around you. To celebrate their wins, not to claim them as your own. Even with high workloads and a fast pace, burnout is almost non-existent in workplaces like this. I know, I've been there, I've experienced it, and I've seen it in many of my client companies. The issue is that few leaders have been trained and consistently rewarded to lead this way. In order for people across the organization to thrive outside the scope of rock star leaders, this style of leadership must be operationalized through the business. This starts with the executive leadership team and is the key to improving well being and decreasing burnout. Now, step three in our three part change process is to upend status quo strategies and tactics. The issues identified in this step are what I've termed the wellness curveball or the well being curveball. Companies are aware of the issue burnout, mental health, turnover, low engagement. They've invested the time, the money, and the effort in adding tools and resources to address wellness. They're marketing these tools to employees and and the greater market to show how great their workplace is and how much they care about people. And they feel they've done their job by checking all the right boxes for wellness. However... They're not tracking the results that matter. To put it simply, the game has changed, but companies are expecting different results from the same old strategies and tactics. This was glaringly evident when the pandemic hit in March 2020. To address the challenges of a remote workforce, that was simultaneously managing this avalanche of changes, fears, uncertainties, Companies simply increased their benefits coverage. Now, while this is a great gesture, it did little to address the real issues or to move the needle on results for people or organizations. It just cost the company more money for minimal long-term value. It's like seeing a drowning person, then cheering them on and reminding them that the life preserver is on the wall over there if they choose to access it. It's been over three years since the start of the pandemic, and yet companies are still throwing more of the same resources at wellness and wondering why things haven't improved. Employees don't need another resilience workshop, mental health app, DEIB seminar, or lunchtime yoga class. They need a systemic overhaul of how companies think, how they speak, how leaders act with regards to well-being. Now, this starts with how the organization, particularly the board and the shareholders, hold leadership accountable for delivering on their vision and values for employee well-being. When the mindset and actions of leaders start to change, then companies will miraculously notice that employee well-being and corporate performance improves. We see this in so many companies already, yet other companies are not making that shift. So what are some additional strategies for preventing and mitigating burnout at work? Well, at the heart of reversing and preventing burnout is just to prioritize employee well-being. But companies keep falling for the wellness curveball. Harvard Business Review emphasizes the importance of creating a supportive and inclusive work environment that promotes work-life balance and values employee feedback. Research from McKinsey highlights the role of effective leadership in managing burnout. They emphasize the need for managers to communicate openly, set realistic goals, encourage and support self-care practices. Deloitte's annual Workplace Status Report encourages implementation of well-being programs that prioritize mental health, stress management, and resilience-building skills. Simple examples of this can include mindfulness training, employee assistance programs, and flexible work arrangements. McKinsey also encourages regular breaks, promoting a culture of recognition and appreciation, and fostering social connections among employees as additional strategies that can combat burnout. It all sounds fantastic, but companies already know this, and they have many of the pieces of the puzzle in place. The missing piece is why companies are doing this in the first place. Without leaders being bought into the concept of well-being as a business driver and seeing it as more than simply some amenities and perks to offer, then all the wellness amenities in the world will fail. At worst, Some leaders view wellness initiatives as time-wasting perks for slackers who can't cut it in the real world of work. Now, in case you think I'm being overly dramatic, I've heard senior leaders and some employees talk this way. It speaks to the invasiveness of the -the nose-to-the-grindstone mentality in corporate culture and why work sucks for far too many people. Logically, we know this isn't helpful, but it's not changing as fast as it needs to. So, here are some action steps that you can use to reduce burnout and improve employee well being. Now, I've created a short summary of actions that leaders and employees can take that are going to minimize burnout while improving well being and performance. Let's start with C suite leaders. Begin shifting your mindset in each of the three mindset areas, then help your team shift their mindset. Now, in case you forgot, those three areas are, number one, personal well-being mindset, number two, corporate performance mindset, and number three is the removal of the status quo strategies and tactics. The next key action is to learn and understand the difference between wellness and well-being. Wellness consists of tools and tactics, Well-being is the outcome and feeling that people have as a result of their interactions with these tools and tactics. In other words, you improve well-being by practicing wellness. That's a very important distinction that a lot of people get confused. Instead of just trying to implement wellness initiatives, start to measure the outcome of improved well-being. That will move the needle. The next action step is to prioritize employee well-being by strategically addressing each of the eight areas of wellness within your organization. These eight areas are physical, emotional, intellectual, spiritual, environmental, financial, social, and occupational. Now you're going to see lots of different models out there and some get combined into other areas into a four or five part model but this covers the general scope and is important to understand that each of these areas need to be addressed in some aspect or another some companies are going to focus on some more than others that's okay whatever is important to your values and your mission and your goals in your organization is where you put the lion's share of time into all right next action step and this is a big one help leaders and employees across the organization build key skills and habits in each area of wellness, including in their job-related technical skills. Common skills include mindset, resilience, mental and physical health, success habits, goal setting, communication, organizational expectations, role requirements, and so much more. This is important because a lot of these areas get neglected or They are done as one-and-done trainings, and we know that habit change takes time. So being able to help your leaders consistently and effectively teach their teams, well, first of all, help your leaders learn those skills, and then help them teach their teams how to build those skills and implement them on a day-to-day basis. The next action step. Create a supportive, inclusive, psychologically safe, and collaborative workplace culture based on shared vision and values. Next one, hold leaders across the organization accountable for demonstrating these values and actions each day, even if there are short-term challenges and setbacks in making the necessary behavior changes. As individuals, prioritize self and personal care habits on a daily basis. This is even better and more effective when leaders and organizations actively and visually model and support this in the workplace. There's nothing worse than leaders telling you, hey, take your self-care day, uh, spend some time on self-care, and they're not modeling it themselves because employees aren't stupid. They know that what the actual corporate culture is versus the marketed corporate culture. And that the more disconnect between those areas, the higher the stress level and the more disengagement you're going to see. Next one is advocate for change in the workplace. As an employee, seek workplaces that provide the environment for well being. As a leader, act each day to build the well being of your team. This alone will begin to reduce ter- uh, burnout. As a C level executive, you have the loudest and most influential voice. Use it wisely to do good and create change. And the last one hire a chief well being officer, whether full time or fractionally, that is separate from HR and a vital and functional member of the senior executive team. This is a game changer and something that smart organizations are starting to do. We've covered a lot, and you're probably getting the picture that workplace burnout is a complex issue. It's one that requires the focus and attention from individuals, from leaders, and from organizations and boards. We're at an important crossroads where companies can continue doing the same thing and expecting different results, or they can take a hard look in the mirror one that's needed to change the underlying organizational structures, the business systems, and the leadership strategies that lead to burnout. Deloitte, McKinsey, Harvard Business Review, and many other highly regarded organizations and research institutions have been able to back up the increasingly positive statistics with a variety of successful case studies. Each one demonstrates the tremendous value in understanding and addressing workplace burnout. But this doesn't come from more wellness initiatives. It comes from changing leadership mindset and doing the deep hard work that's required to dismantle status quo ways of doing things. Status quo corporate culture and building a new culture based on new leadership actions, new mindset from C-suite. It's been proven that by recognizing the causes and consequences of burnout and implementing targeted strategies, organizations can create healthier workplace environments, ones that promote employee well-being, productivity, and retention. But it goes much further than this. Companies must change why they implement these changes, as well as how leaders think and act each day. Remember, shifting mindset is the first step. Without this, Nothing else matters. That wraps up another episode of the Working Well podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Now, which guest would you like to see featured on the show? Message me through LinkedIn or on the contact page of timboris.com. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Tim Boris with Fresh Wellness Group and look forward to seeing you on the next episode.